Welcome to the Rise of the Challenge podcast. Joining you today, she's the founder of Metrics, keynote speaker, podcast host, leadership and career coach, it's Michelle Delgado. How are you doing today, Michelle? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, Alex? Doing nice so, to be here. We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your Rise of the Challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning. Talk about where you're from and what did you like doing growing up? Where am I from? So born and raised in New York, Long Island to be specific. Um, what did I like to do? Well, um, I I wasn't a girly girl growing up. I was definitely more of a tomboy. So, you know, putting salt on slugs after a good rain was always exciting. Um, creating your own, golf, you know, uh, go-karts out of whatever we had, you know, broken sleds. Um, was athletic growing up. Um, loved snow days because where my high school was, we had huge hills. So we used to, you know, take the whatever sled we had or garbage can top and slide down those hills. So, um, yeah, that was me growing up, um, left Long Island, uh, at a fairly young age and never, never went back really stayed in New York for a while. And now in New Jersey. When you were building those go-karts out of sleds, did it give you like creative mind? Like, ooh, I can create something that maybe is not normal. Well, not normal, but like you can't just go out and buy that. You're going to put your own spin and touch to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it was probably half built and then it was, you know, if it wasn't really functioning, we would figure out ways to make it function. Mm -hmm. as best as possible. But yes, it was definitely creative juices. And I'm not, a, I'm a stick figure artist. I am, <laughs> but I, but I do like creativity. So um, there's that. I, uh, during the pandemic, I think everybody, you know, came yep. up with a new habit, hobbit, hobby. I can't even talk today, hobby. Um, and so I started candle making. So I've always been that, oh, what can we make? What can we put together to make something else? I had that same growing up. Like I'm always creative, even today, like creative, like trying to think outside of the box, the things that like are not, people aren't doing and being yeah. creative. And I think that just shows a lot of skills and talent in that individual because they're not focused on normal things. They're like, what can we do different? And I love that go-kart sled. I mean, especially with growing up in Missouri, we get snow and it's like, I wish I had that. That's like the the new uh, ATV or snowmobile basically yeah oh yeah driving yeah. that around yeah you mentioned salt on slugs and when you said that <laughs> I'm very curious is that a New York thing is that a normal thing I I don't I don't know um I don't know that if you didn't have them there but you know after a good rain these in Long Island they these gross looking worms would come out they were slugs they were very fat and our thing was you know it was kind of torturous when you think about it. We put salt on them and watch them kind of do their thing or curl up. Just like we would take jars in the summertime and catch fireflies or, you know, lightning bugs as they call them. Or um, we would catch, um, what are the other ones that would try and catch butterflies? But yeah, it was always something like that, that we did. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about living in Long Island. Do you feel that the things you learned about yourself in Long Island you utilize today? Or were you trying to kind of separate that identity? Like some people, if they're from Florida, they're typically acting like they're from Florida and things like that. Do you feel you have that Long Island in you when you were growing up? Um, it's funny you say that because 
I will be proud to say that I grew up in Long Island. You know, my mother did the right thing by having us go, you know, moving to a good neighborhood where we had good schools and good community, safe environment, et cetera. So um, I'm proud and happy about that. But I, people who stay in Long Island or who are lifers have a really strong accent. And when mm-hmm. I tell people I'm from Long Island, they go, oh, you don't have the accent. I said, I try very hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> I left Long Island. Um, I stayed in New York for quite some time and and um, I have good memories of it, but it's, it's not something that I could say. Um, I have a love of roots, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? that that gave me a foundation it probably did obviously because i i did go to good schools there and everything but yeah i never looked back after i left (laughs) growing up did you have any person in your life that was a motivation inspiration for you um my mom was a tough we were a single mom my mom was a tough one um i don't think i saw or recognized or acknowledged the inspiration and all the qualities that she had and she instilled in me mm-hmm. until much later. So I'd have to say that she was my person, even though I didn't realize it at the time. You mentioned at 18, you left yeah. your home. Leading yeah. up to that, what was going on? What was those challenges that you were facing? Um, A lot. I had... um. My mom was a school teacher in the same town. So it was, and for me to go to the same junior high where she taught would have been really challenging. So Mm -hmm. it was best and I'm glad she did it. Um, We had the opportunity to go to a different junior high school. And so I went to a different junior high school. I had different friends from elementary school, et cetera. So there was that loss a little bit because, you know, you're now rivals, if you will, until you get into high school. Um, At that time where I grew up in Baldwin, it was predominantly white and my junior high was predominantly white and predominantly 99% Jewish. And I am a Latina woman. So how I felt on the inside didn't match who I was on the outside. I associated with who I was with during junior high. When I got to high school, it was like, oh, no, 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 stop. You don't belong with this crowd. You belong with a different crowd. So it was like I had to separate again. So I definitely dealt with racism at a young age at that point. Up until that point, I knew there were people of different colors and backgrounds, but it never impacted me until I got to high school. Did that hurt your experience of growing up being a kid because things were changing so much and you couldn't just be yourself because of strict rules and guidance? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I was... I, I, the influences of the music I listened to, the people who I hung out with, how I behaved was all outside noise. It Mm -hmm. had nothing to do with me being me. Um, It was who, who do I, who do I associate with so I can fit in? And that, that was definitely a struggle. Um, Then also having a single mom who was huge in education. She was an educator in the town um, we didn't have the best of relationship as I got older. Um, like most teenagers, we rebel and, you know, you have your own thoughts and things. Um, so 
living at home was not easy as I got into later years of high school. And so by the time I left high school, I left home. I survived. I had a very good friend who I'm still extremely close to, who I kind of lived in her house for a couple of weeks. Nobody knew. Her parents had no idea. (laughs) Um, We just, I was always there kind of thing. Um, But, you know, I, I did that for a while. And then I, I worked jobs that I needed to work. I, I did what I needed to do to survive, got a job. I went to college for, you know, part-time did what I needed to do to get some education in me. I moved out on my own. I had my own apartment when I was 19 years old, got another job, didn't have a car on Long Island, not having a car is pretty hard. So I just, you know, bus, Hey, who can give me a ride to work today? That kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it was definitely, um, a rocky start to a young adult life. Did you have a dream job that you were wanting? Like say that if high school wasn't, it wasn't those challenges that you were facing and you had that dream goal that you were going for, what would have that been for you? Well, actually, um, I did have my dream job maybe not necessarily the specifics mm-hmm. um, at that young age, but there was a time when my mother had a friend who, my mother was a school teacher. So summertime she was off. So in Long Island, many people, not uncommon for people to have homes with swimming pools. Mm-hmm. So it was like, okay, let's go and hang out at so-and-so's house at a swimming pool. And one of my mother's friends was a travel agent. It was a, I think it was a side hustle. I don't remember, but she was a travel agent. And back in those days, she was sitting at her pool on her phone, taking reservations. Everything was handwritten because there was no computers like you go on now and you, you know, you book whatever you want. So I was like, mom, what is she doing? What is she doing? And she was like, oh, she's working. I'm like, "Uh, working (laughs) by a pool and you're not a lifeguard? Like, wait, tell me more kind of thing. And when she explained to me what she, what she was doing and everything, um, the, the one fortunate thing is that my mother loved to travel. And so when we had the opportunity, we would go away for, for holidays. In fact, we used to go to the Dominican Republic. That's where my grandparents lived in this, you know, untouched beach, Sosua beach right outside of Puerto Plata. And my friends were going to Orlando and I was jealous, like they're going to Orlando, they're going to go on rides. And here we are going to a beach where, you know, eight o'clock, the electricity turns off and you need flashlights. How awesome is that now? But as a kid, that's not really ideal. Mm -hmm. So coupled with that, and then watching this person work by a pool, (laughs) I said, I want to be a travel agent. I want to work and travel. And so I did. I actually went to travel school much later. I had a different career before that. And I worked in travel, both corporate and leisure for 30 years. So I did have my dream job. That's awesome. And I always, when I ask that question, people will look back and say, well, I wish I didn't happen to me right away. I mean, some people was like, oh, I want to be an MLB athlete. Well, maybe it didn't take them right away to it, but they can eventually get there. But even for you, when you said you wanted to be a travel agent, but it didn't happen till later, you still were going for that dream goal. It just took you to a different route. Because I always told myself, I'm going to be a game show host. 
That's what I wanted to be growing up. Well, I'm not really game show hosting now, but I'm hosting something. I You're hosting something. I get that that feel and that excitement just doing this. Yeah. And so it just took me multiple years until I right. finally got there. So I yeah. love that when you mentioned about the travel agency that you still got there because that just shows a rise to the challenge where yeah. it happened right away, but you worked to get to that spot. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, Today, you talk about um, vision boards and manifestation and all of that stuff. And I remember when I was working in one of the one of the positions I had, I knew I wanted to lead others. I knew I wanted to be uh, mentoring others. And so I visioned what that would look like. Um, And then I remember a time when I was in a middle management. So I was a supervisor and I said, I want my own office. I want an office. And I remember working through it and I said, what, well, what does it look like? Well, I have to have a window and I have to have this. And so it didn't happen right away, but manifestation does work. Yeah. It really does. After 18, when you were couch surfing, moving, changing, a lot of changes were happening. Did it feel overwhelming? Did you feel like oh, I give up? I can't, I can't handle this anymore. Or did it bring a sense of power in you that I can do this, even with all these challenges, I'm not going to let it stop me. Um, I'm looking, I'm thinking back to my first apartment that I had. Um, I have to say, even with being, you know, having the tough road, um, I've, I've always had a good circle around me. I've always had people who support. Um, so yeah, there's the highs and the lows, but I think I went on automatic in some way. Like I, I'm a survivor. Yep. I, you know, when I had my own apartment and I was working and I needed, you know, I needed to make sure I had bus fare to get to and from work because if I didn't go to work, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like I could have free for all of not getting paid, you know, getting mm-hmm. paid. And so meals were limited sometimes, you know, it's one meal, but it wasn't like I said, Oh my God, I'm going to starve to death. It's okay. How do I make this meal last for three? You know, how do I make this meal work for three times for the day? Um, I always had a good circle of friends and love around me, even though I was kind of estranged from my mom for a while. I, I knew I was going to survive. Was there any, were you ever open with your family? Not besides your mom, but like grandparents, uncles, cousins, siblings, any of those um, individuals about your journey or what was going on in your life? Yeah. So um, when I left home, I'm trying to think my sister at the time was, I think she was abroad or on her own. And, you know, I didn't really confide in her. She knew that there was challenges because, you know, my mother was tough. She, she was raising two, two girls and, and on her own and had her own challenges. And I'm sure she dealt with her own biases or what have you. But um, my grandparents, unfortunately uh, they were in the Dominican Republic and they passed away 23 days apart. Uh, My, I think I was in still junior high or high school. So they were gone. Um, my aunt and uncle were in Florida, like everybody was kind of spread out. And so Mm -hmm. I was very, I was very, uh, tight lipped like to the rest of the family. 
So my family became my close friends who I relied on quite a bit. Yeah. And there's probably, there's definitely people out there that their friends are family to them. I mean, even for me, 100%. Like our stories are different, but I don't have siblings. And so my friends, I call them brothers because they are, I talk to them constantly every day and they know so much about me, but I viewed them as family because yeah, do anything for me. I would do anything for them just like family would. Yeah. Like the woman who I couch surf with, you know, we talk pretty regularly. We see each other. We text a lot. Um, she is like the sister. She is a sister. I mean, we've known each other for over 50 years. So oop, I just dated myself there. But yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm proud to say it, but you know, we, we are that close. You know, she's a ride or die for sure. Was there a job that you had that you felt like I'm comfortable doing this? A, a big part of your story is corporate America and work. Yeah. And you talked about 30 years with the travel agency. When did that finally feel like, I like what I'm doing. I am enjoying that job. Um, I'll, I'll say one word, which, you know, you're going to have hell and back in any job you have. There's yep. no uh, escaping that. But when you get affirmation from your leaders or affirmation from your team that they rely on you and you could be their rock, there's no better feeling than that. There really isn't. And so when I can bring joy to somebody else in the role that they do, and I can have an impact, a positive impact, that's when it feels good for me. I love hearing that because that's a lot of people sometimes take that for granted. Like, oh, good, saying something good to a person, that can make someone's day. Like yep. encouraging them or appreciative yep. for the work that they do. Was that in like a leadership position or was that like a, working on a project and everyone's kind of at the same level, but you took that kind of leader role on that project? Um, someone said it the other day. And I think this is, I think this kind of uh, is the characteristics that I got from my mom. I'm bossy and bitchy sometimes. So <laughs> I think I take that lead um, and I did it at a young age. I was always like, okay, where are we going? What are we doing? Come on, we have to do this. We have to go here. We have to do mm -hmm. this. I was always that person. So even when I wasn't officially a leader, I was always that person to say, well, what are we doing? Well, why don't we, you know, and always bringing along the ideas and things like that. Um, I can remember a time when we, in the travel industry, we, I had, I led a team and we had a pod. And so there was like six or seven of us and we would be working like dogs. I mean, it was just so busy. Um, and I could see that everybody's kind of stressed. And so I would just like say, stop. And everybody would kind of look up like what's happening. I say, raise your hand if you're having a good time. <laughs> somebody would raise their and they're like oh yeah we're having sarcastically and i'd say okay raise both hands if you're having a good time all right now shake out those shoulders because you, you're typing all that time and so i've always done things to help encourage positivity in the workplace and so um yeah i think that i think i've always been that way did it ever get oh, too much for you like 
doing those kind of things. Like you talked about stress and stuff. And a lot of yeah. times we see in any workplace, stress can really deteriorate on a person. Yeah. And it changes their outcome and it leads them to the path that they didn't want to go down. Yeah. Um, I think there's two things. There's the stress of, I used to carry it for all of us sometimes because I didn't want to have people fall apart, you mm-hmm. know? And so that there's a lot of my shoulders and I did that to myself. It wasn't like somebody forced me to, um, being in the travel industry, especially on the front lines where you're actively booking reservations and dealing with customers who are in these situations where life may not be so safe. Um, you know, we, I live through, doing travel in 9-11, 2008, you know, all these milestones of world events um, where the safety of that traveler is in your hands to kind of make sure that they're okay. That stress is when you can get really low on yourself because, you know, there's but so much you can do. Yeah. So when things are not in your control, um, I think that's when it gets really hard. Um, the other part of it is, you know, I mentioned racism and, and what I dealt with in high school. I didn't feel that way in the travel industry. There were so many people who looked like me. I had clients from all over the world that, that conversation just was, that noise was not in my ears at all until I started to become more aware. Like when I was doing some account management, I had a client situation who, spoke to my boss in a, we were in a meeting. He spoke to my boss about me and third parties. If I wasn't there, that, that was probably the hardest. I mean, I still remember it and it's years later. That was probably the hardest low point in, in my travel career when I had somebody do that to me. And then that's when it kind of came back. The radar came back like, oh, this does exist. (laughs) Yeah. Did that colleague that that person told, were they supportive of you? Did they like go to bat for you or did they? Well, my, my boss at the time, and we still stay in touch. He definitely had some, I mean, he had to tread lightly because it's a huge client, but he definitely had some uh concerning words for him in a sense um and when we left that room i was with my direct report so it was not only my boss but then somebody who reported to me feeling i was feeling embarrassed right you know um they both i mean i was shooken to the core i don't cry easily but i was definitely in tears and i think i was tears and just so raged you know mm-hmm. um they both were very supportive so I have to say throughout all my adversities, I've had such an amazing group of inner circle people. When did you know that it was ready for a new chapter or oh. <laughs> the chapter ends without your control? Yeah. So um, I remember it. I don't remember exact date, but I do, I probably could look it up, but I do remember I was, it, I stayed in the industry, but I moved on from a company that I was with for so long. And the reason for that was I was brought into the office Friday afternoon, let's talk, whatever. 
didn't think anything was wrong. And he says, um, we're bringing in somebody else to like, kind of be, I'm just paraphrasing the story a little bit to speed it up, but between the two of us, um, and he says, and the reason for that is I just don't have time to mentor you. And I thought, Oh, that's like, um, okay, here's the trash. Let's just go throw it out. So I, I was just like, what? <laughs> so I thought, Hmm. So luckily it was on a Friday because I think the rest of the week would have been really, really hard. But that Friday I decided go home, do what I have to do. And I started immediately looking and I, I found another job and I left and he was like, well, why are you leaving? I was like, I think it's time. You know, the writing's on the wall. I'm not here to step down in this fashion, whatever. Um, left there, dealt with some other obvious racism situations in another company. And then it became, it. this was becoming like a pattern now that I was hearing it more in my ears. And I kept saying, is this the story that I'm telling myself? Is this the story that's factual? Like, what are the facts? And they were the facts, you know? So I dealt with that. I stayed there. I left there very briefly. My old boss called me in, solicited me. I went to another company, was very happy there, thought this was going to be the, you know, the last song retirement kind of phase. And then this thing called the pandemic happened and it really put a monkey wrench into travel. And so yeah. travel became um, null. It was kind of divorced from the world, I would say. And so me being as active as I am working as the, my work ethics that I, that I um, always follow, I couldn't stay idled. So it was December of 2020 that I had completed three coaching certifications and I did that because I had to validate the work that I was doing, that work that I've done all my life. You know, I've always been a mentor. I've always been the cheerleader for somebody else to inspire. Um, I'm not a best-selling author. I don't have a PhD, but I have wounds, scars, experience, and lots of motivation and passion to help people. And I decided, well, I guess the travel and I are parting ways. And I started my own consulting business. Was the coaching certification ever on your radar? Was it ever the, a goal no. of yours? So it just happened to work out yeah. during a time where yeah. you couldn't do the travel. Yeah. I had a mentor. I had a, a career coach who I worked with and we were, we are still friends today. We, we still motivate each other, which is pretty amazing. Again, another inner circle person who just is there in my corner. Um, and he, he said, you ever consider consulting? And he connected me with somebody else. She says, oh, I got my coaching certification. I was like, brilliant. Now, the funny part about this is that my mother, after being a school teacher for many years, a very smart woman with lots of degrees, including a PhD, became an executive coach and was very successful at being a coach. That was never a thought at that time because from a young age, travel was it for me. Mm -hmm. So it's funny how now I'm doing not exactly the same work, but um, yeah, I'm doing similar job. <laughs> As a coach and speaker, what is the biggest thing it has taught you about yourself? Um, I would say that one of the things I've recognized only based on the feedback is that I have... I have good wisdom, 
but I also ask great questions. So sometimes people, most of the time, coaches are a sounding board, right? We mm-hmm. ask probing questions so that people can find their answers themselves. Um, so I, when I first started out, I was like, can I really do this? Because it's different, you know, consulting, you're giving answers, you're guiding, whatever. And coaching is a little bit different. What I've learned and continue to learn is that you can stay quiet and people will still find the answers. Yeah. Sometimes for myself, if I stay quiet long (laughs) enough, I might find the answer myself. So, you know, there's that, um, Being a speaker, you know, I spoke a lot when I was in my career uh, as an employee. I, but I spoke on a subject that I was, you know, knew like the back of my hand, or Mm -hmm. I was doing a training, I, you know, knew the material. Um, Speaking in on a Zoom camera um, is a very different feel than being in person. And I just had that opportunity to be in person. It was just so rewarding to do that. I think it's even more difficult now to navigate, you know, the screen and everything else. And I won't say that I suffer from perfectionist. I don't have the perfectionist syndrome, but I do. I am hard on myself when things don't go exactly right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fumbles here and there. Okay. But when you, when you walk away and you go, Oh, I really bombed that, you know? And I think when you are in, front of an audience there's more grace to do that than when you're on a technical screen i almost feel like people have the expectation that you should be completely polished there should be no errors whatsoever you know but i have yeah i have that same thing i had a previous job where i was the main trainer for the whole state in that topic and we would do them in person and you just feel more excitement and you feel the energy of the people yeah and like yeah. it, they know that there's a reasoning you're there and they have to be there and right. just more, they're focused on you. I feel when you're on zoom or you're doing it over, there's so many distractions. Cause you, you can even think for us, I can look in so many different directions in my room and just not at the screen, but it can look like I'm still listening. But I think zoom, you, like you said, it has to be so perfect because it's the full attention that you're giving. Yeah. I feel that that's got to change because we're all human. We make mistakes. There's some things that silence, but you just got to go with it. Be excited, like enjoy the opportunity because you never know what you're going to learn. You're going to learn something completely new. Yeah. When, when you're speaking, do you prefer that the professional topics or the personal topics where you can add your personal um, journey into that topic? Um. Well, to be honest, I've just started doing a lot more speaking engagements, um, both for nonprofit and profit. And I I like to pepper in an experience or a story because I think that that's how you're going to relate to somebody. Yeah. So I've experienced, you know, I just recently did one on the power of apology. And I talked about how, you know, we've there was a situation with a friend of mine who's a who's also a client. And so you know, when we cross those lines, what conversation are we having that day? How does it start out and how does it end up? And I, as I'm telling the story, I can visualize how we were having our conversation and what the feeling was. So I think that having a blend of both is ideal. 
people don't want just the facts and yep. statistics. And I, I really am not big on, I mean, I know it's important everything, but I have a, uh, I'm skeptical about statistics and surveys because how wide did they cast the net? How many people answered, <laughs> you know, they say 75%. Okay. 75% of what a hundred people or 2 million people. That's a big difference. Yeah. We start asking even more questions just on the statistics that they tell us. Yeah, exactly. We're like, we need a little bit more details on what you're asking. Right, right, That's right. That's why I hate surveys. Well, except it's the like family feud. A hundred people they surveyed. Okay, where are these hundred people from? What? Well, clearly you can tell by their answers. They are not from <laughs> a main city sometimes. I love I love those answers because you're yeah. like, who, okay, what were they thinking at that right. time about that answer that right. the name's showing me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, exactly. It's like when, when Steve Harvey asks 100 women and then he asks the guys and the guys come up with these answers. It's like, listen, he said 100 women, 100 <laughs> people. Steve Harvey is so amazing. I that <laughs> He is just a genius when it comes to that. <laughs> as we have something in common as podcast hosts, Talk about that experience on creating the show, because that's usually a fun topic I love hearing from my guests is if they're in the podcast world. How did you create your show and what oh, was the mission behind it? Great question. I love this story, actually, because it's still new to me. Um, so I had started to get invited to diff- to be a guest on different shows. And so I think I had done about two, maybe three. I don't even remember but I had done some moderating I had done on zoom and I did some, you know, um, thought leader kind of, uh, conversation. And so I said, you know, I, and I have a, I have two good friends who really, who have podcasts. And I said, maybe I should throw my hat in the ring and try this out. And my goal was to do this for fun Mm -hmm. to see, I don't know if I'm going to like it, if it's just going to fit in, you know, um, how will it work? You know, and I'm very fortunate. Again, I have amazing support, inner circle people who help me. And so I said, all right, let's do it. Let's see what happens. Let's do a series of four or five episodes. And if it bombs, if it's, you know, if I don't enjoy it, forget it. I'm not doing it anymore. No one's going to know. So I did my first series starting in June of tw- June of this year. And we did I had a whole style. So I said, I'm going to do it as a series. And then I'm going to bring all these people back together who they've never met before on one show together so that we can have a, uh, a collaboration of, um, with the same questions to see how everybody felt about it and talk about game show. We actually did questions on there like a game show. So it was pretty cool. Um, so that was imposter syndrome series. And I thought, oh, this is really cool. So I said, I'm going to do it as a series. I don't know any other podcast I'm aware of that does it like a series. Like they have one topic of conversation. You just have different guests going on. Well, I keep, I, I invite guests to be on these series based on their story, based on the subject and group them together. So that's how I've been doing it. So Right now, I, my series is about leadership with patience and grace. I've had some amazing guests on the show. Um, it, I've been doing it weekly. So far, I've only missed one week because we had some <laughs> hiccups. 
um, with things, but I I figured out how to correct that. So now if I have a a week lag or somebody cancels and, you know, you have to rush to get it all prepared and do all that stuff. I'll just do a monologue of three, four minutes and plug it in. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. And my goal now is to at least make it to the one year anniversary and then bring back, you know, favorite guests, favorite stories and have some fun with that. I love that. I love that you have that goal because, you know, they all say, oh, you ain't good. You're going to last only 10 episodes and then you're going to quit. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, I'm over 200 episodes now. I think that 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 note should be long gone. I think I'm in it for the end. So now yeah, how yeah. far I can go now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm up to, I think, 24 or something like that, 24 episodes, but I have about 75 on I mean total it'll be 75 on deck so I have guests booked up until spring of next year wow yeah you know that conversation a lot of people listening they're probably all thinking when they hear this episode like when did they make this and I always say each guest or each host has their own strategy not one person should be able to tell them this is how you're supposed to do it because all of our lives are so different. We have full-time jobs and yep. we do this because we enjoy doing it. It's not a job. Sometimes it feels like it, but it's a fun job to me. But we want to enjoy it and want it to be our own personality. Like yep. why do we want it to be so scripted or it's modeled after someone else? Because that yep. doesn't, like if someone told me, this is what you have to do. This is how you're going to edit. You're going to do it this. That's not me. My family, yeah. my friends know me and they are going to be able to tell that is not you when they. Yeah, start. exactly. I mean, um, you know, I looked at it when I first started doing it, I said it would be a great way to just kind of bring awareness to who I am as a leader, yeah. um, as a, as a coach and as a entrepreneur who's not this big brand household name, I'm not looking to become a celebrity. There's <laughs> lots of room for them to do that. I'm just enjoying myself. And, um, you know, it's a good way to plant seeds to inspire yes. others and to be inspired. I have met some of the most amazing people with their stories. It's just been, you know, some of them, when you first meet them, they they pull at your heartstrings. And then when they share more, it's just more of the same. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been a great ride and I enjoy it. It sometimes becomes a lot of work because of the scheduling and all of that yeah. other good stuff. But you know what? Um, when it gets to that point where I need to have somebody help me, then I will do that. But right now I'm, I'm doing it all. <laughs> During this journey we've been on with you, we've talked about your career, but I want to talk a little bit about the personal, the, who is Michelle? What yeah. are some goals that you have for yourself that you're hoping to accomplish personally, or what is on that list of things that you want to accomplish soon? Okay. I'm going to start with something really crazy. <laughs> um, it's been on the bucket list and it sounds ridiculous, but, um, on the bucket list, I have to see Coldplay in concert. Oh, that's a full good disclosure. So <laughs> anyone wants to, who knows them, who's listening and wants to give me some tickets. I'm in the tri-state area. I'll be going, you know, I'm happy to go to the concert. So I missed the opportunity the last time I was in town, but that that's one of the fun things. Um, somebody just asked this question recently. I went through the highs and lows of weight back in my younger days. And so probably for the last 15 years or so, um, I've kept it off and I 
optimal health. So I work out, I try and eat right. I don't always do that. I mean, I eat junk food like the rest of us, but um, I health is important to me. Um, staying fit and feeling good. I don't want to feel like I can't move. You know, mm-hmm. the the minute you start to have that restriction, it becomes harder. And and yeah. as soon as you start to have negative thoughts, then it's just going to keep spiraling. So that that's that. Um, I want to. I just want to be able to have the time and being an entrepreneur helps that to spend time with family. We have a new granddaughter in the, in the family. So, you know, she's just a huge, um, huge spot spot in our hearts. And so we love spending time with her um, and being there for our children. So that's family has definitely um, become more of a priority than what it was when I was working. Cause it was all about the work. It was all about the money. It was all about the work, all about the money. And Oh yeah. Joy came later. And now it's like, it's all about the joy. It's all about family. Yeah. Oh, and money comes later. So I've flipped those. So those are, those are some really important goals. I mean, I definitely want, you know, I started my business in January of 2021, 20, yeah, 2021. Um, that was a building year. I had some really great wins, but uh, I'm still building and and still wanting to create opportunities where I can work uh, smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. and enjoy. And getting back to travel, we haven't been traveling since you know the pandemic. I know people have been on planes doing this, doing that, and you know it would be nice to do that again, but um, we're we're fine doing what we're doing right now road trips and enjoying our family time where's that next road trip to where do you want to go uh i would like to get on a plane and go to the islands <laughs> to be <laughs> honest with you i'm there <laughs> <laughs> you know we our favorite island is puerto rico to go there and sit on a beach you know it's uh we we make friends very quickly when we're on vacation so i'm really in, i would love to go back to the caribbean but if not that um there's some states that I really, when I was in travel and I, I got a chance to go to, I really enjoy. Um, I love Chicago. I wouldn't go in the wintertime, but <laughs> <laughs> we have enough cold where we are right now. But I, I, I love Chicago and I love the Midwest. It's it's just, there's something special about it. And then Florida, because I have family there. So those would be a couple of spots. You know, there's some other bigger dreams, but you know, for right now, if I if somebody says where do you want to go right now, it'd be like get me to a beach. <laughs> yeah. I'm the same way. I'm like, yeah, find me water, get me on the beach. I just right. want to relax and enjoy. Exactly, with a good book. <laughs> the final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals, and rise to the challenge? Um, one thing that I tell clients today and, and close circle friends, cause I do lead a women's circle group and it's, it's amazing. We're just, we've been doing a year and a half together and it's been great. Um, celebrate every win, no matter how small, if you're waking up and you just have that feeling of, I can't do this. I don't want to do this. And, and not like in a in a, you know, end your life kind of way. I don't mean that, but just like, you don't even want to get out of bed kind of thing. Um, 
do things for you first. Mm -hmm. Don't, it's hard when you have children. I understand that. But if you could at least even meditate for five minutes in the morning, turn the phone over. I don't expect anyone to turn their phones off, but we are addicted to these devices. They're like, they're like an appendage of our bodies. Turn it over and don't, don't watch it because that noise will, will start your day, whatever way you want. Somebody's doing this. Oh, I should be doing that. And then it spirals from there. So the first thing is do something for yourself first. When you wake up, celebrate every win that you do, um, that you have for the day, no matter how small, and then look at those wins at the end of the day, because you'll be pretty proud of yourself of all those little things that you've accomplished. Um, you know, miracles do happen. They may not seem like it. And we, we kind of poo poo them and say, Oh, that that was just luck. Um, (laughs) but if we look at it as a positive and that you were there to help and create that, that's pretty powerful. Well, Michelle, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you. Well, I'm excited too. bring on 2023, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tune in next time to hear my next guest talk about their rise to the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for a full length episode and video format. What path do you take to accomplish your goals? You have to decide.